Welcome to Pathways to Resilience with Melissa Santos, the podcast where real people share real stories, helping us build our playbook toward resilience. Welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. Thanks for tuning in. I am really excited about today's guest. She is a colleague, a friend. Um, We've done conscious leadership work together. Um, an overall fantastic human. I have Holly Hughes. Hey, Holly. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thanks for joining. Holly uh, is based out of Santa Cruz, California. She's a therapist, um, has her own private practice called Holly Hughes and Co. that does uh, clinical therapy work and also um, coaching and consulting on systems work, policy work around um, the behavioral health field. Um, and so, yeah, lots of pieces, um, and pieces of that, that we're, we're going to talk about today. Um, I really, um, I wanted to talk to Holly because it's mental health awareness and Holly, I so appreciate your approach and sort of, um, concept of mental health. Um, it's a, I think a unique and sort of organic and holistic and, um, just a, a point of view that I can really, um, relate to from, both professionally and then personally in my own um, mental health journey. So why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself and how you think about mental health? Well, I think maybe starting with the premise that mental wellness is some version of being okay. Um, Mm. Yeah, kind of like an okayness in, in the world within ourselves, in relation to others, in relationship with the circumstances that we're facing. Um, And the kind of the how in my mind is some version of the Buddhist concept of equanimity, Mm. bringing some kind of spaciousness to whatever is. Um, And then more specifically, I really love the acronym that Tara Brock talks about. It's the acronym RAIN, mm. which is the R is recognize. So recognizing what is pausing to recognize what is there, what is present. Um, allow, can I, the A is, stands for allow, can I allow this to be mm. without making any changes, without without adding judgment or value, you know, value judgment, good, bad, right, wrong. Um, the distance between us allowing and not allowing is really fertile ground for suffering, mm. right? Cause we're, we're either law in a state of longing or anxiety or dysphoria. So that's the a, mm. and then the I is investigate can I bring a gentle curiosity, you know, especially when it's not easy to allow or does, you know, it's not happening. The allowing isn't happening. So then doing some version of a playful, gentle curiosity, kind of the way we'd like to show up ideally with children, you know, just like almost showing up that way for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then the N is nurture. So Mm -hmm. I think most of us get a lot out of those friendships where we have a conversation with a heart friend who is just seeing us, getting it, not necessarily 
doing any version of toxic positivity or or silver lining or suffering comparative suffering (laughs) but just just being there and as a loving witness so that's the nurture part um so yeah as you we're getting to some version of rain all those pieces applied to ourselves and and or you can apply that to relationship with others you can apply it to relationship with whatever whatever external thing we're experiencing um, I want to take a cup, a few of those terms that you used because I think j- gentle, playful curiosity is kind of how I would describe you. I think that that ha- as I've watched you engage with individuals, with teams, with colleagues, with exec at the executive level, um, that it, in training, um, that gentle, playful curiosity is, I think, part. Certainly, I've seen it as part of your approach mm-hmm. um, when you talked about. Um, I've called it, I've heard it called like comparative stress shopping Um, (laughs) or, or toxic positivity. Like I love Brene Brown's empathy video where she on a silver line, like I'm having a bad day. Well, at least yesterday was better. (laughs) Um, so can you talk a little bit, just a little dig a little bit into sort of positive toxic positivity and then that comparison shopping kind of thing we do? Sure. Yeah. I think, um, back to the idea of what happens when we have empathic presence which is or or um equanimity as a practice that it fosters a sense of wellness it fosters a sense of groundedness and so when toxic positivity is input you know is data coming in tends to have some version of distress, a distress response. Like, um, there's a should sometimes mm-hmm. implied mm-hmm. and or should that, not. Right. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't feel that way. It shouldn't, it's not that bad. You should, yes. Yeah. Or, or this idea that we should be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the, the things that gets in the way the most, especially in our Western culture of okayness is this idea that we are some version of us striving for happiness, um, or that happy is wellness. And I, I sort of tend to prefer thinking of happy as a feeling. And I like, I prefer the word joy. So, um, those are just some replacements of toxic positivity and how I like to think about it is so, you know, just, observing and having gratitude for moments of joy and happiness and um not necessarily having a template of it should always be great and Mm -hmm. um you know put over what is actually happening in our lives which is Mm -hmm. oftentimes not no not that i know i think you know like how um it's so like trendy to have um signs up with words everywhere on your shirts or on your, um, and this, you know, how many of them say like, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Now I want to sing a song. Um, but just like this idea of like, choose joy, like choose joy. And not that yeah, there are moments of choice. And certainly sometimes you can look at those things and they could brighten your day, but just this idea, like that, that's somehow the goal. Um, 
And that's supposed to be the baseline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think a close cousin to that um, is desire, striving, striving or desire or, you know, the um, I, I love the book Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke um, with, you know, the neuroscience showing us that there is this natural tendency to seek and to continually seek um, and be in a state of longing. And there's a kind of a light side and a shadow side to that, right? Like mm-hmm. in some ways that state of being is, is just a, a normal human state of being that can, that can even have positive impacts where we're leaning in yeah, or striving yeah. towards something, exactly. you have a goal. Yeah. looking forward yeah. to, yeah. um, and then it can also, you know, the shadow side is just like, once we get that thing, oftentimes there's just a drop in our mood or, um, an unexpected, just the, the, the cycle of then craving and longing. And that just kind of being right there, just chasing the, the thing that we just achieved. And for me, that comes up in work, you know, being addicted Mm -hmm. to some version of work. Um, and that, that just like constantly in this cycle of striving, um, achieve achieve what's the next achievement what's the next yeah 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 Yeah. so I think those are those are things that get I like to think of them as just getting in the way of wellness Mm -hmm. I like how you even reworded mental health just to wellness because that's really what we're talking about we have lots of terms and certainly there are diagnoses and things but really we're talking about wellness and I think you know, as we're talking about, especially the comparison, the positivity, I just think back, you know, pre-pandemic for many years before and the social media, media in general, but then like social media, like post people posting seemingly being perfect, right? This idea, like, and how much comparison can happen and kind of where we where we were in this go, 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 achieve, 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 really rooted in white supremacy culture of, um, of achievement. Um, and then, and we're still there, but this shift that happened um, during the pandemic and that in recent years, both I think on people's personal side, and also we're seeing it absolutely, people demanding it more in the workplace, the narrative around mental health seems to have shifted and is inviting more vulnerability, more authenticity. When you see the bestsellers on either in books or the top rated podcasts and things, they're much more um, to do with wellness and real conversations than um, celebrity conversations. Now there's plenty of those too. And maybe it's part of it is just the bubble I live in. But I think that's I think that that's true, that there's been a shift. What shifts have you seen in your your own practice with how people are showing up, coming to you, seeking therapy, seeking wellness? Probably the biggest one is a shift from thinking of wellness on the binary to thinking of it more as a spectrum, Mm. uh, which I think serves us all when we move in that more in that direction with so many concepts and topics, right. To a map to, it's just more true when we Mm -hmm. understand Uh things on, on the spectrum, on a spectrum. So I think 
having um, people come into my office with more uh, flexibility and thinking, more um, of back to that acronym that I was mentioning earlier, more of those kinds of strategies already in place, some version Mm of being in touch with themselves, in touch with the how common and normal it is to have certain thoughts and feelings um, as opposed to othering that those uh-huh. you know or othering themselves othering themselves yes uh-huh. right uh-huh. Um, if people having a willingness to drop into vulnerability and share the un- quote unquote unacceptable thoughts mm-hmm. that run through our minds um, so that we can work with them you know and mm-hmm. especially I think this is a change that that I've that I've um, experienced within myself and as a practitioner, which is a move toward narrowing the focus to negative cognitions about self. Um, f- feeling just kind of experiencing that as the most fertile ground for shifting toward wellness is some identification of when we get really. Um, when we experience negative thinking about ourselves and it, when we have an opportunity to make a shift in that thinking, how powerful that can be and how helpful it is. Well, and what you're describing too, I think is, um, and even that RAIN acronym makes it so much more about self, about me, about how my, whatever my negative thinking or wherever my stuckness is, you you started using the word spaciousness, like giving space to what is versus coming to therapy, wanting to change and talk about somebody else. (laughs) Right. And spending all my time on, you know, my issues with whoever, and not that that's not a piece of it, but in my own experience, I've gone to many therapists throughout my life and spent so many early on early on therapy sessions, repeating stories, processing stories that were never really leaving space for like, well, how, how is that showing up? How, what are the patterns? What's my piece of it? What, how do I want to feel about it? Um, it was much more about how do I want to, fe- you know, how do I want that person to be, or I don't know. I mean, I've, I have felt a shift in my own, my own experience as someone receiving therapy. Um, and it being much more about present and about how I see myself um, and how that impacts my own experience in the world and in relationship with others, how that impacts me and my, my, um, the way I show up in the world and how, if I want to, I might be able to shift those things. Yeah. Right. I mean, and for me, I, I have experienced it as a fast track to, Mm. It's it, it, it's more efficient for, in my experience, to drop in. Like like for example, let's say I'm in a state of some version of stress or anxiety. Mm-hmm. If I pause and drop in and investigate in a playful, curious way, what is, what are some negative thoughts I'm having right now about myself? They they usually come in the form of some one or two, three, four themes. For us mm-hmm. that are or that originated back at an earlier age when some 
team got stuck. Like mm-hmm. some, like I'm not okay. I am not safe. I am unworthy. Not good enough. Unloved. Yeah. yeah. You're right. So yeah. dropping right in there and then offering gentle, again, nurturing to that and a version of what, what do I want to believe about myself or what, what positive cognition can I put side by side with that negative thought just in case my brain will grab it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a very, and I think that people that I am interacting with professionally and personally have a similar approach that seems a bit more mainstream than it did say five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. I don't know exactly either if that's anecdotal, my yeah. bubble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just experiencing that, um, shift in, in like a, in a global way and, and appreciating it. Yeah, me too. So, um, I know you, you've, you're digging into, um, EMDR, um, and that, um, you are really finding hope in some of the newer, uh, models that you are, that you've experienced for yourself as a, as a client of therapy, and then also in your practice. So what's working for you, for folks that you're really, um, when we had our pre-meet, you're like, God, it's just so hopeful, um, that you're kind of finding hope in. Yeah, I think new for me, right. So I've been practicing EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, uh, therapy model. And I've been practicing for just over a year. So very much a youngster in, <laughs> in, uh, in it, which you probably will hear in how I, how I'm experiencing the, um, the practice of it, right. Is just the, um, mechan- the, the mechanics that are, that are part of EMDR allow for a bit more structure in the the interactions with clients right with people that I'm um, sitting with so there's it there's a an efficiency to it that I'm um, witnessing that is really really hopeful mm. there's a untangling of um, negative thoughts and beliefs hap- that happens much m- more quickly than talk therapy. Um, and some talk of that therapy being me, I go in and just blah, 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 right. Yeah. Processing, processing yep. with words, um, yep. back and forth, you know, and having, you know, some version of facilitating interventions that are all very worth worthy, you know, like not, not to say that any other therapy models are anything about those, right. Those are all of value as well. Um, it's more just, um, yeah, the, um, focusing in on this new model, right. Really just saying, okay, those things have their place, but this EMDR thing's really pretty cool. So what was your, experience with it and what you just, just, when we talked last time, the way you described it and compared it to like REM sleep, that was just, this is another thing I love about you. You break things down and talk, describe them in such a way that is so, I can grab it so easily. So, um, talk to us about it. 
Yeah. So what's helped me understand it is um, this explanation, like when we, that our brain has a natural tendency to heal. Um, our skin, for example, has a natural tendency to heal. So if we have a cut in our skin after a period of time, that cut will heal. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the way our brain stores information, um, it, it has a natural ability to process, reprocess, and refile information, so to speak. So, let, for example, um, if we all imagine the, the details of brushing our teeth three Thursdays ago in the morning, uh-huh. most of us don't have that file, you know, access to that, those memories. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Our brain, repro- you know, process that out. Yeah. Um, didn't need it. Bye. Didn't need it. Exactly. And so one of the things that one of the premises that EMDR is based on is that rapid eye movement is, is part of our brain processing, right? So when we sleep, we experience REM and that is, um, when you can replicate that rapid eye movement or any other sort of bilateral stimulation, um, it, it has an effect of shifting some of those, that information in the brain in a way that allows us to be, um, more at ease essentially. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, it's, it's like so many therapy models, it's difficult to explain it. Yeah. (laughs) It's so much easier to experience it, which is what I have the privilege of doing every day. Right. Um, but that's, that's, one way I like to, um, explain it and the way I like to think of it myself, just to try to simplify, you know, what, what it is conceptually in case people are seeking it as a resource for them. You kind of, when you described it to me in that same way, um, you, you gave like an example of, um, like if you go to bed and you're really like worried about something or you just can't, you're stuck. Like you're, you're trying to come up with an idea for something and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. go to sleep and you get a good night's sleep. Right. Cause REM is like, that is the good sleep that our, our brains need. Right. That, that processing happens and then we don't even know it. And then we wake up and either we don't have the same angst we had about it or like this great idea happens. Yeah. And that was because of that that processing that was happening while we were having that rapid eye movement while we were sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So there's basically access to new information that Mm. perhaps was blocked before. Like the example that I think I shared with you is when we are writing a paper in graduate Mm -hmm. school and yeah, we feel blocked. Um, and then we have a great night's sleep. We wake up and then our ideas are flowing. Um, so there's a version of that that can happen where, um, for whatever reason, for many reasons, our brain kind of holds on to negative experiences or traumatic experiences that we've mm-hmm. had, or, or a series of micro traumas, you know, mm-hmm. that we've, that we've had throughout our lives. Um, and EMDR is a way of reorganizing that information so that not only it diffuses the, the charge, the, the distress 
response that we have, it also there's a, there's a spaciousness for new information or positive cognitions that can replace the negative. And it's, I mean, our brain is naturally, you know, sticks, hangs on to those negative emotions, particularly if it's like that survive, right. That like fight, flight, freeze, like, I can't let go of this because there's still this threat that whether it's real or not, and whether it's physical or whatever, like, like I'm not loved or I'm not lovable is can the new information be, I am worthy of love. Like, is that new information our brains can access through yes. EMDR? Yes. Yeah. That's one example, right? Yep. Just almost like um, opposite, you know, some version of like, okay, well, here's the negative belief that is distorted in some way. It's distorted either really black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, or rigid, like, like, mm-hmm. stuck, like a rock instead of like water or fluid mm-hmm. can be um, replaced with a more true sentence, you know? Um, and that sentence does ideally come from within each of us, right? So there's not, I don't know that, the, like this could be inaccurate, but in my experience, I, don't, I haven't found the list of right. positive. Be happy. <laughs> Exactly. These are, these are unique, nuanced, you know, positive cognitions that come to, to us and they come to people like, as I'm witnessing their process in my therapy office. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think back to the definition of wellness, mental wellness, EMDR, there's, there's an organization of, um, resources and strengths too, which I think we, it's, it's very important to mention that as an aspect to wellness, right? So both internal and external Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. resources, you know, and I think there's, um, awe inspiring witnessing that I do around people, all of our resilience, right? Like the Mm -hmm. amazing, um, almost like un unending no no bottom to it um resilience that that we have inside of us so it like for example sitting with someone who is in you know facing str- very stressful circumstances and then slowing that process down unpacking the details of how they're showing up with that mm-hmm. stressful circumstance uh, and then naming that, right? Because oftentimes yep. we don't do that. We don't slow down to recognize our internal strengths and resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then on the flip side of that, when we don't have access to resources, or when there's inequity, mm-hmm. that deep that deeply impacts, you know, our wellness or our access to. Uh, wellness. So, you know, I think someone that I really admire, um, David Archer, a therapist out of Canada Mm -hmm. wrote anti-racist psychotherapy. It it does an amazing job kind of, you know, organizing all of these concepts and how they, how they interact with our wellness. And he also is an EMDR practitioner. So really appreciate his voice in that in that, in that place. 
you all, you mentioned, yes. I mean, and it's so important to think about that, that it's, that we have our internal resource and certainly, you know, as and we'll talk about your definition of resilience in a minute, but we have access to, we get, we gain access to these new, what may seem like new information or new beliefs or new perspectives internally. And we can, that, our, our ability to stay there, I would imagine, or to, to continue to nurture that can be heavily impacted by external resources and or with positive or negative resources, right? Inequity, discrimination, racism. Um, I am, you know, I'd imagine, if, you know, if I was, if safety is a thing, right? A stressor for me is just like safety and having a, a number of traumatic experiences that made me believe, led me to believe that the world isn't safe. I come to therapy and I access a place within myself that I can find safety within myself. And yet I still am a person of color and I'm not, you know, the messages constant outside of myself, what's happening within society are that I'm not safe. Um, and how, yeah, I guess that uh, there's a curiosity. How does, how does that play in for people? Well, I think I'll speak from my own experience as a queer person, Mm -hmm. right? So having um, a lifelong journey of internal acceptance uh, that gets rocked Mm -hmm. when I am experiencing some version of judgment or othering. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I get impacted by those messages that come it's like again it's data it's input coming Mm -hmm. in and Mm -hmm. then um it it takes energy and work to kind of reorganize that or integrate that into Mm -hmm. my understanding of the world of myself you know and and then some of it's just practical i mean i'm jumping around here because that's the internal for me, that's that internal experience. And there's also just a lot to be said about practical resources, like basic needs, because, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the 101 of wellness related to um, just having, you know, food, water, shelter, um, the, the, the opportunity to rest and play Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are all things that impact, you know, our day-to-day wellness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and EMDR, the, the, the version that I was trained in, um, by Haven Wellness Center, the, it, it really focuses on what they, they call resourcing, you know, make it a verb resourcing. Mm-hmm. So identifying when resources are limited and spending time, if possible, increasing those resources, spending time. This is an EMDR kind of term terminology of like installing positive resources inside mm. of us. And that can be in the form, it can be very playful. That can be in the form of like a TV character or a song or a scene on a hillside with a friendly goat. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh-huh install some of these positive resources. Um, so all of that, all of that has been really inspiring to me personally and, and as a practitioner. 
it sounds like it's, and in some of it, we're kind of naturally do and seek after, right? I mean, I think, I think about, you know, I might be feeling really good in my life, right? Like I'm feeling like centered and grounded. And then I have an experience that rocks me as you, you know, kind of rocks me. Um, and when that happens, I may, I may, I do get a dip in mood and may go back. I'm some of those old beliefs may get triggered. It may trigger my sense of worthiness or, um, my feelings of being accepted. Um, and how, what do we know? me, what do I naturally go to? My resources that I have built up over time, my internal resources of rest, of play, of meditation, and then my external resources, which, you know, has taken a long time to build up, but of like, okay, who am I going to surround myself with in those moments? I'm not going to keep trying to go back to whatever rocked me to get accepted, get what I need there. I'm going to go to this, you know, resource library that I've built up, which are the people that see me and accept me and um, love me. And, you know, I'm as someone who's come out as queer within the last year, that's been a huge piece of what my work in therapy has been around. Um, Well, not only who came out as queer, but just someone who was ready to go back to therapy again um, around, you know, hang on, I've got this stuff within me. Um, And when is it that I'm not accessing them? And, and, and how do I shift those things, um, within myself to, to remind myself like, right, I have like amazing resources inside and outside of myself. Um, and I was experiencing stuckness because I was seeking, seeking a narrative to, for someone else to change a narrative, you know, from <laughs> the narratives from your, like you said, from like childhood, um, rather than going, yeah, I got this. I totally have this. Yeah. And I have other people who have it too for me. Like they've got my back around it. That's what I want to surround myself with. And how do I give space for that? Yeah. I think it's really common for us to habitually go, like you, you use the terminology, go back, right? That the idea that we uh, just habitually fall into a pattern of what we know or what is familiar even when we've learned that it's not serving us in that same way. So I guess just um, offering some kind of recognition right now in this moment of that, that it's not necessarily organic or natural for us to do what you and I are talking about right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. It it might, it might require some intentionality or some, and, and that's, for me that lives in mindfulness or meditation or back to that idea of equanimity of a a practice Mm -hmm. of being present in the, in the moment and, um, and not just, not just with a neutral observation, but with a kind, you Mm -hmm. know, calm, kind, open, curious Mm -hmm. observer. To self, yeah, yeah. So you brought up resilience, Holly. How how what is resiliency to you? I think that it it is that version of um, tuning into a place of 
awareness, really. Yeah. And awakeness. <laughs> because otherwise, you know, we're in a state of rumination or longing, you know, thinking about the future, essentially wanting, wanting something that isn't there or isn't, isn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, I think that's the thing I come back to the most when it comes to my own resilience and how I relate to resilience in others is this idea of the practice of it, the curiosity of it, the vehicle for resilience is, um, is presence with a capital P. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, when I talk to, um, I, one of the things I love so much about this podcast is like all the things that weave, there's just like messages and themes that weave throughout, you know, all the episodes. And when I talk to Diana Chapman, who's one of the authors of the 15 commitments to conscious leadership, she talked about, um, heartbreak being when something we wanted or an idea we had about something is comes to not be true or doesn't happen. And I kind of heard that in what you just said, that when we're longing for something that is not in this present moment or isn't true um, in that stuckness, that we're, we're opening ourselves up to, you said it earlier, the suffering, the heartbreakness, and how do we really come back to present and go, but what is true right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm glad we're touching on integrating loss right or grief grief loss mm-hmm. heartbreak mm-hmm. because th- that is such a part that's just a, that's a part of life right mm-hmm. it's a part of life and it's um ultimately what shapes us you know into who who we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah i think having not not necessarily like a Pollyanna, of course, approach to right. that. Just having some version of gratitude that is um, an openness to when we ha- ha- experience a loss, especially when it's out of our control. Not it's, mm-hmm. when I was um, an an aunt for the first time, I made the mistake of buying my nephew who was about four clothes, you know, really cool clothes. Mm -hmm. He opened the clothes at Christmas and was like, this is not what I always wanted. (laughs) So I think about that phrase a lot. Like when when we have that thing happen where we're like, this is not what I want. Yep. If there's a not wanting, right. And Mm -hmm. just, um, how human that is, that experience is, and how can we be with that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. observe that with some tenderness and some nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can be kind of helpful to think about it that way. Yeah. That's part of what helps us. That is the tapping in to be able to release the resilience within us. Right. Um, yeah. hmm. I always enjoy talking with you. 
Thank you so much for being um, here and having this conversation with me today. Um, where can people find you? So you can find me at hollyhughesandco.com. The and is spelled out. And um, also on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And with yeah, I'm, I'm really am open to all kinds of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so welcome, welcome anyone reaching out at any time. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you. And I will, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Melissa. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Pathways to Resilience, an initiative of Community Solutions. For more information, please visit our website, www.communitysolutions.org.